Well, good evening, church. Uh, I'm so glad you could join me tonight. It is Wednesday night, time for our midweek Bible study. We are going to be starting in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 this evening, where Paul begins to address some uh, concerns or questions about food and the things that we eat. And basically, it's a discussion about our liberties as they relate to our Christian brothers and sisters. So before we get to the text, I, I want to pray as always. So let's do that really quick. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. And uh, I just, I think it is precious, Lord. And I pray that it settles in each of our hearts as being precious. We thank you for the instruction and the wisdom that we have in it. Father, I ask that you open our hearts and minds to receive from you. Give us clarity as we read through it and discuss it this evening. You are a holy God, and we worship you, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Okay, so let's read through the text. Uh, we're going to read the whole chapter. It's just 13 verses. Um, we're probably not going to get through all of that tonight. I'm, I'm trying to keep these in, in short, uh, bite-sized chunks so that we can uh, digest them easier. So, uh, But anyway, we're going to read the whole thing for context, though, so let's let's get to it. Paul says in chapter 8, now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence and that there is no God but one. For although there are many, although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. However, not all possess this knowledge. But some, through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat, and we're no better off if we do. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, Will he not be encouraged, if his conscience is weak, to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge, this weak person, by your knowledge, look what he says, and so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died, thus sinning against your brothers and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. So that's that's the whole chapter, chapter 8. And so let's begin looking at the first few verses and, and see if we can't break this down a little bit. So here is the real question. Paul, remember, Paul is answering some specific questions that the Corinthian uh, church had sent to him, either in, you know, one or two letters or or many letters, we don't know. But he's answering specific questions. And there was a question that came up about food offered to idols. So here was the problem. In Corinth, and well, like all and just about the whole culture all over, 
you know, food was taken and offered to the gods, uh, many gods. The food was sacrificed to to the one god, uh, to Yahweh. But it was in in the pantheistic system. They had all kinds of gods. Um, they even had an unknown god, just in case they they forgot one. But they would come and bring their meat and offer it to these gods. And they did this because there was a great fear of demons and demon and evil spirits and being possessed by those. And they thought, this is the culture of the time, the history, they thought that the possession happened by eating food that had been, that a demon had rested on. And so that's how the demon entered the body. So if you, if you took it, your food, and you offered it up as a sacrifice to a good God. You know, they had gods that were bad and gods that were good. If you offered it to a good God, that would keep the demon from latching onto it and prevent it from coming into your your body. So nearly all of the food, all of the meat for sure, uh, in these pagan cities were offered to pagan gods. And so what would happen? They take it to the temple of these gods and the priests would divide it into three pieces. There would be a, a token portion that was offered as a sacrifice that was burnt as uh, an offering. There would be a portion that was given to the, the priest that would take and then a portion given back to the family and the family would then take that and eat that. Well, uh, the family would either eat it or they would sell it. Or, and the same thing happened with the priest. The priest would either eat it or the priest would sell it, give it to the market, and they would sell things at the temple. Uh, the family would have a feast with this same kind of meat. And pretty much it was if you didn't eat meat that was offered or sacrificed to an idol, you didn't participate in society. You couldn't go to any of the the, the food uh, uh, festivals. You couldn't go to any of the markets. Um and if you bought food at a market, chances are it had been offered to an idol. Um, so the, the real question was, what are we supposed to do? How do we handle this? And this is what Paul, Paul is asking. Um, and so there was some debate in, among the church. This, Paul's not asking, he's answering. There was some debate among the church, among the Christians who had knowledge and Christians who didn't have knowledge. So Paul opens up. That's the backdrop of where this, this whole question comes from. This is a real issue uh, for the day. Not so much, um, you know, we don't have to worry about food offered to idols so much here in our culture. Um, but this does have applications for us here today in terms of, you know, what kind of freedoms we have and how we use those freedoms uh, and how they affect our brothers and sisters in Christ. So uh, Paul says in verse one, now concerning food offered to idols. So I'm answering a question. We know that, and here's a, here's a telltale sign. You see this again? Be careful, pay attention to those, those quotation marks. Paul is quoting what uh, is commonly being, this was a catchphrase of the day, all of us possess knowledge. So uh, there were a group, a sect of the uh, Christians at Corinth that, that knew that they had liberty, and Paul describes that knowledge that they have. They knew that they had liberty, and they were going to exercise their liberty. They knew that idols were not real. Uh, like here, uh, there's another phrase here. Down here in verse four, an idol has no real existence. That was he's quoting them directly. Uh, idols don't have a real existence. Uh, here he again, he's quoting them directly. There is no god but one. So these were these catchphrases they were using to say it doesn't matter what we eat because an idol isn't real. You know, and if it's, if it's offered to something that's not real, it's not offered. You know, it's not a not a big deal. And Paul would agree with that. But look at what he says uh, in verse uh, verse. Verse one, it says, this knowledge, again, quoting them, this knowledge, it puffs up. But there's a contrast, love 
builds up. So he's contrasting. He's not saying you can only have knowledge or you can only have love. What he is saying is that knowledge must be filtered through. Actually, it must be applied through love. Because you can spout knowledge all day long, and I, I preached about this the other day. When you say it, just because it's true doesn't mean that you should you should say it or that you shouldn't at least figure out how to say it in a kind way. Um, I'm not saying take the truth away from it, but say it in a way that is loving. And that's what Paul is saying here. Look, we have to look at things through the lens of love. Just because you're right about something doesn't mean that you should do um, do it or doesn't mean that you should engage in that. You you have to look at it through love. What is the greater good here? And Paul gets to that. So here, here the verse one through three, uh, this is this is all about the application of love. And I would say that um, this right here, this phrase here, love builds up. That is that is the main point of verses one through three. That first paragraph there. Love builds. And so we must apply love to the knowledge that we have. Um, and so then he goes on in verse 4. He says, therefore, after the eating offered to idols. So with that as the backdrop, knowing that we must operate in love, we have knowledge that gives us freedom, we must operate in love. Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know an idol is no real existence, again, quoting, and there is no there is no God but one. So we know this. And he and then he explains some of it in verse five. Although there are many so-called gods in heaven and earth, these so-called gods in heaven and earth, these are the idols that they are, you know, concerned about food being offering to. Indeed, there are many gods and many lords. Notice the little G, little L. These aren't deities. These are in fact, God even called the scriptures even refer to judges. Uh, human beings and rulers as gods because they serve to offer, they serve to pass judgment as a god would pass judgment. Um, and then Jesus even refers to that at some point. So, I mean, he's saying there are many people that act, there are many things that, that people elevate as gods and lords, but yet there is only one God. For us, there is one God, and that is that is the Lord. And he explains who is the Father from whom all things are and from whom we exist, and one Lord Jesus Christ. So he's not he's not separating Jesus from God. This right here is the deity, the 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 tetragrammaton is what they called Yahweh. Yahweh, Lord Jesus Christ. So he's saying these these guys are one. The Father and Jesus Christ both are one God. Just like we this this uh, Trinitarian doctrine here, we have the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, through whom, and again, same characteristic of the one God, through whom are all things, and through whom we all exist. Father possessing that quality, and the Son Jesus possessing that same quality. Why? Because they are one. That's a backwards arrow. They are one. So verses. One through three in in this chapter deal with love builds up. Love, we have knowledge, we have liberties, and we're going to talk about the liberties that we have in seven through thirteen, um, and try to apply those to some liberties that we have today. Uh, and we'll do that next week. 
But so just remember from this passage that, I mean, knowledge is great. Paul isn't talking against knowledge, but he's saying that we must filter it through the lens of love. And when I say filter knowledge, I don't mean that we cut things out of it. When we apply the knowledge, when we, wisdom does not equal knowledge. So we put knowledge and, I mean, knowledge does not equal wisdom. So we put knowledge together with love, we have wisdom. So the, the two must act in concert. We have to be lovingly apply the knowledge. And that's what one through three is. And then uh, verse four through six, Paul reiterates that we have one God. And that he reinforces that idols are nothing. Nothing. So there's nothing to them. So Paul's reinforcing that notion, but that, uh, again, and he's going to get to that later. We'll talk about that next week. Reinforcing the notion that idols are nothing. There is one God. Yes, you are right. We do have that knowledge, verses 1 through 3, but that knowledge must be applied in love. So that's all for today. We will pick back up with this next week. I love you guys. Hope you have a great weekend, and I will see you on Sunday. Bless you. Bye-bye.